the first episode of Unzipped. I'm your host, Josh Zippin, here with co-host, producer, extraordinaire, Stanley Stevens. Stanley, you want to say hi? Welcome. Excited to have you on the first episode. Oh, thanks, man. I'm, I'm excited that we're doing this. We just finished up a great conversation with our good friend, Sam Goldstein, Dr. Goldstein to some. And I'm curious what your, your thoughts were on the episode. Uh, I thought it was a, a first good run, you know, um, obviously it was enjoyable to talk to Sam. He was, is a very interesting guy, both outwardly kind of exciting and has a very happy personality that you can see, but also is a very introspective person. So love to see kind of the inner depths of Sam. Whereas, you know, most of the time, I think, um, a lot of people see the, see the outside. So it was exciting, an exciting episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Sam is one of those people who is capable of so much and does a lot of different things and kind of has many shades to his personality. Uh, but it was really fun to just kind of dig into his life perspective a bit. I think one of the things that I said on the episode that he kind of latched onto was he takes life very seriously, but he doesn't take himself very seriously. And I think that generally encompasses him as a, as a person, you know, he's a American Ninja warrior. He's a, a software developer, a product manager, uh, a parkour athlete, a, a community builder. Uh, he has all these different sides to him. And that is sort of the, the through line um, throughout it. It was, it was fun for me hearing one of the things that was actually kind of new to hear uh, that I hadn't heard him articulate before in many in the many conversations that we've had over our, the course of our friendship was him discussing his interest in helping other people realize potential or see things in themselves that they had never seen before. Mm-hmm. That, that actually was a topic that, you know, even looking back now is something that I kind of wish we could have chatted more about uh, because I, I think that that is a lot of, a lot of how interactions with Sam feel of him very playfully and, and uh, encouraging you to do more, try more, and to kind of live more fully. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and I, we cover off on a lot of things. Um, and I think it's very multifaceted, just like Sam. So everything from silly stories like how he learned and when he learned to do a handstand to uh, his boundless faith in, in other people. Um, as well as entrepreneurship, which he has some experience doing. So um, encourage people to take a listen. I think it was an exciting episode. And with that, let's let's get to our conversation with Sam Goldstein. No, no need to shower for an audio recording, Sam. Like I'm only in this for the chance of catastrophic failure or like, you know, amazing Jeopardy success. like to welcome in this week's guest on Unzipped, Sam Goldstein, uh, a great friend and uh, someone who has a lot to share. Um, according to your Twitter bio, Sam, you are a fitness nut, parkour athlete, software engineer, and American Ninja Warrior. Not sure uh, in what order, but we're very excited to have you on the podcast. I forgot I had a Twitter, but that's amazing. I got to look into that. <laughs> We take our research here very seriously. So, um, you know, researching your your 
our social media profiles is, is the bare minimum we can do. That's more like detective um, work. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Obviously uh, we know each other super well, maybe, um, you know, in your own words, you can just describe sort of our, our relationship. So other people know a, a bit about just how, how we know each other. In a word, I'd say beautiful. If we're looking to expound on that for some type of um, you know, audio-based uh, podcast, then I, you know, I'd say we we met what back in 2014, um, the first ever SF hunt. Uh, that that year was a 400-person scavenger hunt all around uh, San Francisco. Instagram-based locations take you to places. It was a great time, and Zip was one of the uh, founding members of that event, and and I, I participated in the event. And met Zip after joined forces with him and a, and, a, and Stanley and, a, and another group and just a ragtag group of amazing individuals. And we put on another event called the Loop, and then uh, talked to Zip and and Gil and was like, "Hey, what do you guys think about you know starting the whole whole company around this?" And for the next you know three years, Zip and I spent every single day in the same living room together and and most nights as well. Yeah, so you you, you could say we know each other pretty well. I would, Is that fair? Very. We could finish each other's sandwiches easily. Yeah, we we have finished each other's sandwiches, have, yeah. <laughs> thankfully. And in our in our more more broke years, when we when we really needed to, we we finished each other's sandwiches. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's awesome. Um, so really, the purpose of this podcast is for us to get to know you better. Um, I uh, I think selfishly that I have a really interesting set of friends. And um, when I say interesting, I mean, just like multifaceted, talented, um, you know, engaging, passionate people, and you sort of check all those boxes. So having you on uh, sort of makes a ton of sense to, to me. So I wanted to start with just something like really simple, and then we'll kind of like see where the conversation goes. But yeah. um, you're, you're a very acrobatic person. Mm-hmm. And we started a company together called Handstand. Um, uh, and I'm just curious, like, how did you learn to do a handstand? And where did that, where did that start? Where did that come from? <laughs> it's, where did I learn to do a hand? It's interesting because I feel like some of my earliest memories of being on my hands were playing like soccer at the JCC when I was, I don't know, seven, like seven, eight, like super young and just frantically running around the field with minimal skills with a soccer ball. (laughs) But I remember getting fouled and (laughs) I remember getting fouled and I remember uh, instead of tripping, I did a cartwheel and then got up and kept running down the field. (laughs) And I was like, that makes so much, that makes so much sense. It's like, I'm not going to be one of those guys that flops and takes a fall. You know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to carry the momentum and keep going. Um, and then, at, yeah, like after that, not like literally after that game, but as a part of that like soccer season and a part of just hanging out at the JCC in the grass, I remember trying to like do that more and then trying more cartwheels and then trying like a handstand, just like walking around the field. And so I'd say I learned to walk on my hands super young at the soccer field, the JCC in Memphis, Tennessee. And then I honestly couldn't hold a handstand completely still until my sophomore year of college in 2010. So it was, that was the gap, a good, you know, 15 year gap or so 
of be, from like just walking around on my hands to actually you know, trying and, and succeeding and being able to hold it, hold it still. So for, for all those at home, just working on their handstands, they just need to keep practicing for 15 years and, and then they'll figure it out. It goes too. by in the blink of an eye and then you'll get it. No, no problem. <laughs> that It's actually, so part of why I wanted to ask about that uh, and your story actually is, is, you know, kind of what I would have guessed if I had ever actually thought about <laughs> it. Um, but like you, one of the things I, I wrote down a bunch of things about you that I think are sort of like, uh, you know, defining traits of yours. And, and one of them I think is just your, um, your love of play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, that's part of, you know, the, our company that we started is like all around giving people these opportunities to play. Um, and so I'm curious, like how that sort of developed and how you, um, how that sort of started to get cultivated. I'm sure a lot of it was innate, you know, when, when you were little, I'm guessing, but like, how, how have you thought about kind of cultivating that, you know, from being young all the way to, you know, hold you are now and, um, you know, sort of keeping that at the forefront of yeah. how you live your life, really? It is interesting to think, just reflecting on it, you know, how much is, use the word cultivated, which to me is a very sort of, feels like kind of an active word, like something you're aware of and you intentionally focus on. And I'm just trying to reflect on that and and think about, it, was it cultivated or was it just, was it innate? Is it, you know, almost nature versus nurture, but you know, what was it intentional? Did it, did it happen? It's just how I live my life. Um, I think a little bit of maybe uninteresting, a little bit of both. Um, I think that, huh. I think my, I think having, having three brothers, I'm I'm one of four boys. I think having that certainly lends itself to just messing around as kids. Um, And I think just also like my group of friends, like a bunch of guys, like definitely lends itself to just, you know, doing quote unquote boy stuff, (laughs) Uh, which is some degree of shenanigans, tomfoolery and just, you know, misbehaving. (laughs) Um, I wonder. Yeah. I don't, huh. I don't know if I have a great answer for how that it, it's okay. Others. It's okay if you don't know specifically, because like this was actually like one of the other sort of themes that I, that I wrote down, just kind of think, thinking about, you know, who you are as a, as a person is um, from, and this is again, like my, my perspective, how I sort of see you um, is like someone who you you're very uh, thoughtful and intentional about things that matter to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how you want to show up in, in the world, how you want to show up for other people, how you want to, um, you know, be a good partner, a good friend, et cetera. Um, but you also, uh, and, and you sort of like take time to be very strategic and thoughtful and reflective about how you want to, you know, allocate your time and resources to, to those values, essentially. Um, but you also, it sort of like seems to me that you, um, by nature of taking that time ahead of time, you also allow yourself the freedom to live very presently um, mm-hmm. in, in sort of setting up those moments for yourself. Um, so the, the phrase that I wrote down was like, like 
Sam takes life seriously, but himself, but doesn't take himself seriously, mm. you know? And so like, I'm curious, just like, if you think that's accurate and also maybe if you can like speak to that, if it does feel accurate, sort of how, you know, how you think about that stuff. Yeah. I think that's a really cool way. It's something I struggle with a lot. Um, Cause I've actually had a uh, number of discussion with Krista about this, about quote unquote, caring what other people think. Right. And I would say, you know, when you're a teenager and, and on whatever, it's like every parent adult is like, you know, saying don't, don't care what other people think. And I had this reflection realization in college that uh, all that matters is what other people think. And this is taking an extreme side of this argument, but it's like, well, the only thing that matters is what, every, is what other people think, because if you believe you're the best soccer player in the world and literally no one else does, like, what's the truth, right? When you're If you're looking for like, what's most representation or best representation of reality, it's like, it seems like the fact that everyone else in the world thinks that you're not the best soccer player means you're not the best soccer player. Um, and, and so, sorry, is this about, is this about me personally? Yeah. Not to here? flip this unzip, not to unzip you on this one, but <laughs> um, no, but I think it, it, it's a real, it's a real struggle and it's, it's a kind of dynamic tension that I, that I definitely get hold in my head at once. Cause Krista was like, Oh, it just seems like you don't care what anyone thinks. I was like, I don't know. I think I really, really care what other people think, but not to a point where I'm like actively changing my behavior because of it. It's more like, and this is where I think you, you summarize it really nicely. It's like, I've thought about how, how I want to show up for people and how I want to be there for people and be and be perceived in moments. And I've aligned my values, behaviors, and you know mannerisms to be in such a way such that when I'm in those moments, I'm not like chameleoning and changing my values based on who I'm talking to, but I have thought about that and I'm behaving in such a way to achieve, you know, this sort of, uh, you know, representation that I want to have. Like I want people to think of me in a certain way and, and I, I've sort of aligned my values and behaviors to, to more or less achieve those results. Now, there's certainly diversions. Like sometimes I'll go way too far in one direction or the other, right? I'll be like, you know, too playful in, in a scenario when like everyone's just like, dude, we're like literally at a funeral and you shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, or I'll be, you know, whatever. But, but I think in general, I, I kind of like the way you described it because it kind of solves a little bit of a, that, that tension of, of, wait, do I not care at all what anyone thinks or do I like really care a lot what everyone thinks? And it's, it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's both, but they kind of play with each other. Yeah. Can you talk, like, I'm actually curious to hear, you know, not from me, but from you directly, like, you know, as you think about how, how do you want people to see you? Um, like what, what does that, mm. like, do you have that sort of set? And, 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 um, and I guess maybe sort of a corollary to that is like, as you think about how you want people to perceive you, how does that then sort of like play to you in terms of informing how you see yourself, if that makes sense? Mm. Or is there a relationship there? Yeah. Um, I'll see if I can answer that second one. I think the first one off the top of my head, it maybe, uh, 
maybe caring and competent for choosing two C words. Um, but I, I think like someone who really values people, friendship and communities. And I enjoy and pride myself on, on building, building communities, right? It's like wherever I go, I try to try to do that and, 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 and do it pretty intentionally and, and with, with a lot of love and care. Um, and I think that comes from this kind of, uh, just like boundless faith in people. I just, I think people are just, every single person is capable of so much more than they think. Um, I, I, I generally find that. Um, and so it's always cool to just show people basically another side of themselves. Like the, the best thing that I love hearing is just like, oh, I never thought that I could blank or I never knew that I could blank or I didn't know that I loved this. And it's like being a part of those moments with people is so special and I love creating those moments for other other individuals, friends, acquaintances. Um so I think that's maybe like the kind of the caring, the caring side. And then I think competency comes, I think, a lot from my family. I think my parents growing up were very I don't want to say performance based because it's not they weren't like type type A, get straight A's, go to this. They they weren't like that at all. Um but my mom is, you know, more or less a perfectionist and everything that she does and did was just the standards were just her standards of herself were just so high. Um, and my, my dad as well, I think in, in a different way, he was super smart, high performing, like intelligent um, and at least in a business sense and very, very academically versed as well. Um, but I think I get from my mom a lot the kind of desire of competency because anything she did, she did amazingly and was, you know, respected in our community, was respected certainly by her, her family, though, you know, we were kids, so we took it all for granted. But um, I think seeing her desire to be so good at everything she did definitely carried over into me. And that's the competency is something that. I not only, that's kind of like one of the dichotomies, right? It's like, that's something that I want to just from a, on a personal level, I want to be competent at like ev everything that I decide to do and decide to spend my time on. Um, and I think I also care that other people acknowledge that or see that or have that opinion of me. Like, oh, anything this guy does, he, he does like at, you know, at, at, a, at, a, at a, you know, a high level. Um, yeah. No, that's great. And I, and I will say, I mean, just to give you your, your flowers a little bit, like, I think, you know, even before we met, you know, I, I think I cared a lot more personally about, you know, myself of just like trying lots of stuff and doing lots of things and having the kind of, you know, for myself, this sort of um, image uh, of this, you know, self image of, oh, I'm capable of doing lots of things and, you know, learning anything I want and et cetera, et cetera. And I think you were one of the first people who I spent a lot of time with that was like, you know, doing lots of stuff is cool, but like hold yourself to a standard in, in everything, you know, because mm -hmm. like I think at least for my background, like being a serious athlete at one point, it was like, oh, there's things that I like take very seriously because like I know that I should perform at a certain level because of, you know, ability, practice, you know, just like all, all the 
you know, time and energy put into it yeah. um, versus like trying, trying something new and being like, ah, I tried it, like whatever. Um, and I think you were one of the first people that I met that was like, look, even if you try something like try and, and like shoot for something, you know, yeah. like choose whatever that standard is and then like go for that standard. Um, which I think is like a major credit to you as, as, um, you know, something to, to carry with, with me sort of in, in life as, you know, always learning, always trying new things. Um, you know, I think that that's just markedly different mindset to have. So, um, I think that's definitely something you've, you know, imprinted on me. That's that's cool. And I would definitely like echo that back. It's like, I think one of the reasons it it wasn't is so fun to work with you is like, that you you have a similar drive to keep trying new things and spreading and spreading wide, and I think those desires really pull off each other in a cool way. Where it's like, well, what what if, we're both kind of exploring, like, what if we try this, and then you'll say, what if we go this way, and I'll say, what if we go deeper here, and it's kind of those that kind of exploring is is a really cool complementary skill set to to have. Yeah, well, let's let's keep working together. Yeah. Um, hey, I also still I, think of you as a as a serious athlete. Just I know you try to slip it in there once a year. I, I still think of you as a serious athlete. So so don't worry. Oh, that's great. That's great. You might be the last. You might be the last person. <laughs> oh, but I, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, I did actually want to talk because I, I think that that mindset um, actually uh, plays really well into your. Uh, professional world as an entrepreneur. Um, and uh, I just kind of wanted to hear, you know, not my projection, but sort of straight straight from you, like how you think your um, personality, uh, you know, suits you well for entrepreneurship. Because at this point, you know, you're working on uh, Bike Pump, which you can easily explain and, and, uh, and plug to our, <laughs> our, our, our listeners yeah. uh, if they're out there. Um, <laughs> You know, you, you went from from handstand, which we worked on full time for you know about four years, um, to now working on on a, on a new startup. So um, I just kind of want to hear, like, from you, like, you know, you have all these interesting personality traits, and and I would love to kind of almost hear your analysis of like how you think sort of your makeup fits so so well with um, you know trying to start start companies and and um, you know be an entrepreneur. I think. Actually, yeah, I think it dovetails nicely off, off what we were just talking about because I think that my particular skill set is is pretty broad and pretty deep, right? It's like I'm not a you know mechanical engineer on a certain component that that I'm the expert in this tiny thing. I think I'm a um, I think I'm like pretty good at a lot of things. So I think that equips me. That it gives me the confidence and the the sort of well founded confidence and the skill set to 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 start things because as as you know it's you know joining a company that has systems defined is one set of skills right but you're plugging in you're tucking into the current and you're and you're moving with that current you know down the down the sort of river that's that's already got a pathway whereas um, starting a company it's it's the wild west, right? It's, 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 I don't have a, a water analogy, but, um, you know, there's, there's no system. You're, you're digging the trench. Yeah, you're, you're digging, digging the trench. Yeah, you're <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're digging the trench. You got to decide which way the water's got to flow. And then you realize that's the wrong way. So you got to backtrack and go and carve up and plug the other hole. Right. So it's like, it's, it's a different set of skills and it requires a, 
I think an intensity and an intensity of work, a degree of focus and a general enough skill set to not feel thwarted when you hit obstacles because there are always obstacles and in starting companies it's it's they're never ending and and the get in the second you sort of you know feel defeated or start beating yourself up or lose that you know vigor um i, I think that that's when you're done right it's like that's when when the the you know ship starts to sink and and you can't can't keep going um yeah and i mean i i agree you know even with your the words you've uh described earlier of caring and competent like I think, you know, I certainly see you that way, um, you know, and your your skill set is wildly broad, but also like, you know, <laughs> I put you in sort of like the 90th percentile of like lots of different things <laughs> just off the bat. Um, so, uh, you know, that that's a, a credit to you. But I'm I'm curious where that uh, kind of mindset developed, because I think that's something uh, that we share, which is just the um, kind of general, generally positive outlook that things are good or things will always get better. Um, and so I'm curious, like how that sort of developed for you, um, presumably outside of business, um, mm -hmm. but obviously you bring it to business now, but, um, I'm curious, like when that started to develop and, um, and how it feels like it's been sort of fortified over, over many years at this point. I think that that's actually a really good example of the hybridization of like nature versus nurture. Cause I think most immediately I would credit my grandmother, my dad's, my dad's mom. Um, she is like, just has, is super, is supremely competent and can get, get done whatever she needs to get done. This super strong, independent woman. Who's just, who's, who she's one of the women, like you walk into the room and her presence is felt. Like there's, there's a prestige, there's a, a, a dignity, there, there's something, you just know she's there and she's always carrying herself. She's well-dressed. She's well, it's like, she's, she's, just, you know, she's there and she's and and, and she's there to get, get done what she wants to get done. Um, but her outlook on life is just amazing, right? It's like, nothing's ever a problem. It's everything solvable. You know, any, if, you know, something terrible happens, she's like, oh, you know, well, next time, right? It's like, it's just this attitude of, of moving forward and not getting stuck. I remember uh, negotiating for luggage in New York City on the streets in Chinatown when I was like, you know, 10 or something like we did not need luggage. Um, but we're just we're negotiating and and we end up walking out and she's like, hey, like that. Just remember, like, that's one of the most powerful things in these negotiations is just not really caring, like not really not really needing <laughs> this thing, which is I've since grown my own, you know, perspective and learned about negotiating, but it was, it was a, a, a powerful lesson, maybe not in just negotiation, but in how maybe negotiating your life, like if things, things you really, really care about can really let you down. Um, and the lesson is not to not care about anything, maybe to care about the things you, to, to choose carefully the things you care a lot about. Um, because she always had this and has this ability to just brush things off, move past things, see the super positive outlook. I think my dad got a lot of that and I got a lot of that from my dad. So I credited my mom earlier. I guess I could shout out to my dad um, for, for you know, the, maybe the lion chair of, of that attitude and certainly shout out to, to Granny for, for, you know, 
demonstrating those those characteristics and being such an amazing example of that for me. Yeah, Granny Granny Goldstein for the win. Yeah, and uh, and how do you think like you know obviously you had that sort of modeled for you, um, but like have you ever sort of had that tested or have you ever? I mean, I'm sure you have have it test have had it tested. Um, but like, what are, are there any times where you felt like, um, that was at all, um, sort of in doubt or you were in sort of like a, a period where you almost had to like forcibly kind of remind yourself of like, Hey, actually everything is really good. And like, this is who I am. I'm, you know, a positive guy who can bounce back from, from anything or have, have you not had that experience before? I think maybe if, <laughs> in true form, because I feel like my dad and my grandmother do this as well. If I have had those, I completely blocked them out of my memory <laughs> of times where I was like negative or doubting myself or anything like that. Like no recollection of them. <laughs> um, I do have recollections of swinging hard the other way, right? Of like caring about nothing and being so um, calculating or stoic or like not, yeah, not, not caring so much that it, you know, really hurt ex-girlfriends or or just felt like I was closing myself off or it it um yeah so swinging hard the other way and, and kind of needing to ratchet that back and say okay I tried that I went to this extreme and it accomplished these you know 50 things but it kind of left me with this residue this feeling this like wait this isn't quite right I think that kind of uh it was maybe a you know it was, it was not taking care of the caring side of me where I was like, Oh, like these people are hurting because, uh, because I did these things. And instead of kind of putting on the blinders and saying, whatever, like I, I need to achieve this mission. I think I'm a little more inclined to say, wait, like, let me actually take this person's state into consideration and see if I can not finagle a situation in which all parties are kind of, you know, happier and moving, moving in a direction that, that you know, almost like utilitarian, the greatest good for the most number. Yeah. Well, well, that's one thing that I think is actually really interesting about the two words that I feel like we, you chose and that we kind of keep circling around of um, caring and competent, which is that in uh, in some respects, they there I think there's actually like a little bit of tension between them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're like the most confident, competent, most driven, ambitious person, um, which like you are, you are all of those things. Um, then like without the kind of caring side, it's easy to see, you know, sort of the dark, dark-ish path that you could kind of go down with yeah. those types of blinders. And then similarly, I think if you, you know, don't have that and you're just focused on the kind of caring and um, sort of interpersonal side of things, um, then I think at least knowing you, like that would be somewhat unfulfilling and that it maybe lacks some uh, sort of goal-oriented um, sort of positive movement. Um, and it's a little bit hard to sort of almost track your, yourself in, in ways. Um, so I'm curious how you think about, <clears throat> like in, in your own life, how you think about um, even that, that tension or, or if that tension exists kind of between the two. I think for sure. And, and it, I think it's a good, I think it's a healthy tension, right? It's, it's a tension that as, as you were kind of just highlighting, they keep each other in check. I'm certainly a self-motivated driven person, right? I I wouldn't say I'm like traditional, you know, industrial motivated, industrially motivated, where it's like I needed to jump through hoops and get to this level and make partner at this firm or whatever. But uh, I hold myself to very high standards and am super, super competitive with myself. Um, 
and that's largely rooted in in professional things in career and in my career, but it's it's also just in in any task, whatever else I'm doing. Um, and that's you know kept in check by by the caring side, right? The the community side, the friends, relationships, family, um, and so those that dynamic tension does exist. But I think it's a it's a healthy healthy tension that I encourage. And you know, a given day, month, year might be it might swing a little further in one direction or the other. But I think holding those two those two north stars um, in front of me uh, definitely I think balances me and and. Yeah, it balances me and, and is gives me a sense of fulfillment on 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 both sides both sides of that. I love that. I love that. There's 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 really two other sort of like main topics um, that I wanted to to talk about. Um, well, actually three, but I think one's a little uh, a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, one is just your uh, just like focus on humor. Um, mm-hmm just in your, in your life. Um, I mean, you and Gil, uh, rode a hundred plus miles naked, um, Mm. from Seattle to San Francisco. Um, you rode your bike, I think for like over a year, every week dressed as power Rangers. Um, and I think that there's just like a, a lightness about the way that you approach, um, the world. Um, and even with the other, th- you know, all the things that you've just described, like that doesn't sort of come baked in, you know, just because you're positive, just because you care about people, just because you're, you know, have a desire to achieve things. Like, so I'm curious, like, um, you know, how you sort of look for those moments and how you um, lean, lean into them and where that mm-hmm. comes from. <laughs> I think, first of all, it's just after, once you start doing it, you just realize it's more fun. So like, once the ball's rolling, you're like, oh, this is just a more fun way to live life. So it kind of self-perpetuates at, at that point. As far as how I started doing it, that's that's another good question. You know, is born with or, or trained? Maybe on. I should just maybe I should just crystallize it. Like, can you remember the first time you were naked on a bike? <laughs> that's a really good question. <laughs> I wonder if that was the Seattle trip. That's at least the most salient memory of being naked on a bike. <laughs> that I have. That's that's why that's why we're here, Sam. To ask the ask the hard hitting yeah. questions, you know. <laughs> no, I, I will nice. say that, like, I, I think that uh, I spent a lot of time as a kid getting in trouble. Um, and what's interesting about getting in trouble is you kind of see adults at at the edge of of their patience or trying not to get angry or whatever. And so I think <laughs> I think subconsciously I was learning to find people's edges. And I think that is something that I've certainly carried forward in many different manifestations is like finding the edges. Like where do people crack from being in a good mood to a bad mood or from, uh, or from, you know, I said earlier, that I think people are capable of so much. The average person is capable of so much more than they think they are. Um, I think that's part of it, right? Whether it's a physical edge whether it's a new skill, whether yeah, it's an endurance challenge, whether it's biking naked longer than you've ever biked. Um, I think that spending so much time getting in trouble and seeing people at the edge of their patience has carried forward to me, um, carried forward in my life in a big way. Right. And then you, and then you meet someone 
like like our friend Gil, who oh, yeah. maybe doesn't have an edge when it comes to how far you want to push things like riding bikes naked and you're like great let's keep keep pushing it and it's dangerous because there's no end there's no <laughs> no but gil's a great example of someone who also just like amplifies and magnifies right it's like takes whatever idea i mean you're the same way i think that's the reason three of us work together so well is like we all do that right it's like take an idea let's build on it let's not shut it down let's keep you know let's explore it. And then, you know, five minutes later, we'll say, Oh wait, we took this in a really dumb direction. Let's walk it back like 57 steps and then back where it made sense. But, um, it's a, it's, yeah, I think it's one of the reasons we work so well together. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, the, one of the last things I wanted to touch on was just, uh, you know, your, uh, you're considered the mayor of, of Waller street. Um, and there's a, a plaque, a plaque outside your home yeah. that attests to that. Yeah. Um, there was, there was never an election. Um, you were just installed. Well, um, I remember differently, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that you touched on earlier that I, I agree is sort of a hallmark of your personality is um, your love of uh, bringing people in. And um, you know, even though you are, uh, very talented at you know many different things and um, a showman in your in your own right. Um, you uh, you kind of like invite people to to take part in in any and everything that that they want to join. Um, and I think you know your sort of trademark hallmark phrase, whatever you want to call it, invite everyone everywhere, um, is really just sort of a it's actually a way that you kind of live. Um, and so. I'm curious, like when or how it sort of became clear to you um, that like the world is better with friends um, and like doing things with friends or even strangers um, is, uh, you know, the way that you kind of wanted to to live your life and, and, and how that sort of developed. I, that's interesting. I, I think it's, maybe in part stems from such genuine curiosity about what makes everyone tick. You know, we're kind of, we're kind of just talking about finding the edges of people. And it's like, that. it's so interesting when you find, when you break past the veneer of like, you know, how was your day? Da da da. What do you do for work? Like when you break way past that and just find like the edge of what makes someone tick. I think that's, that's an, an addictive pursuit to find in so many people because experiencing people in such a raw, in, in such a raw form is, is amazing. Um, so I think it definitely stems from just genuine curiosity around, around people. Um, I'd also maybe rewind as far as like when that started, probably back to maybe high school when, you know, the, the way we hung out was just invited everyone over to, to our house. Like my brother and I, my older brother, Ben, he's 14 months older. We had a deep, like huge overlap in friend groups. And so we just, and we had a, a big enough house that would just like, our house was the house, you know, our friends would go over to our house when we weren't there. Right. And so, and that was encouraged by my parents. They would, you know, loved, you know, having all the, all, all of our friends over, love providing for everyone. It was, it was definitely some values instilled by my parents, which was instilled by, Granny in, in Memphis, who 
you know, every Friday, she, all five of her kids still live in Memphis. And now a lot of their kids and grandkids are great. You know, so it's the, the lineage is strong in Memphis. And she, every Friday has everyone over for Friday night dinner, right? And you know, she's 80, 88 now and, and rising and, and still bringing everyone together. And Friday night dinners, we'd invite strangers in. We'd invite, you know, friends, friends of friends. It was, it was a very welcoming and inviting space. And I think, you know, I, I, I would certainly attribute a lot of those behaviors of, of mine to, to, to granny and my parents not bringing and, and yeah, that just a curiosity of, of, of who, who people are and this belief that the more people know and experience each other, the happier everyone is. I love that. Also, it just, it's cool for me to hear because, uh, I don't think I've actually ever met granny Goldstein, but um, it's cool to just, you know, sort of know her through, through you, um, even just hearing these stories. So that's really neat. Yeah. Um, I just have one more question actually, before, uh, I kick it to, uh, Stanley to, uh, you know, ask anything that I missed, but, um, I think this is, I, I'm generally really interested in this, in this, uh, answer because I think you're a, a very wise and, and thoughtful guy, but what, what does a life well-lived kind of look like to you? Like, what does, what does that include? What are the elements and, um, and yeah, what sort of qualifies as a, you know, a life that has been, been well-lived? That's a, you know, just a casual, casual question, right? Just off, off the cuff, you know, (laughs) I think, I think a life well lived would be one where at any and maybe it doesn't even it doesn't even need to be um, you know uh, idealistic like it can just be you like what does a life well lived like to Sam Goldstein yeah like, what does that include well that's the only perspective I really have so that that's the one I was going to give for sure uh, <laughs> share share that one um, yeah I think like the I think. I think a life I'll live would be a life where when you look at any period of that life at any Zoom level, a day, a week, a year, 10 years, you, you that person is, is actively exploring something they're extremely curious about and they're doing it surrounded by people they care about. Because I think... I think curiosity is such a powerful motivator. It's such a just great personality trait to have and opens so many doors. And I think that, yeah, if, if you're looking back on a life and like what, you know, where, where have I, you know, am I satisfied every moment of life? I think that that's going to come down to, you know, were you curious about something and pursuing something because of that curiosity at, at, at any and all points throughout, throughout that life. I love that. That's great. And it fits, fits so well with you. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Nice. Well, that's all that all, that's all that I have. Stanley, where, uh, where, where did I miss? What else, what else do we have? <laughs> um so yeah just uh one quick comment um i've only i've been to waller less than obviously both of you but i would say it was probably less he was installed as mayor that sounds very like u.s government 
put Sam in there without anyone knowing <laughs> he became mayor. I think he was probably informally elected through popularity and costumes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Those are probably the election results Sam, Sam's remembering yeah, as well. that's what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the only thing that I, I, I wanted to touch on briefly um, is uh, fatherhood. So uh, mm-hmm. I think in July you had your first baby, right? Baby Goldstein. You did. And so, um, you know, two specific questions, one serious, one more of a joke. I'll let you decide which one is the joke. Um, so the first one is you had mentioned that you were selling uh, naming rights for 50K. Did that ever pan out? You know, it. It. I don't know if that was serious or not a joke, but I can tell you no one offered 50K okay. for any name. So it d- didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so what you're really saying is a missed opportunity for someone out there. Yeah. It, it probably, maybe in hindsight, it was a joke, but had someone offered 50K, it would have been serious. I, yeah, I don't know. We got we to figure that one out. Yeah, maybe, maybe Bike Gang should have pulled money and, and come <laughs> with a lowball offer just to see. I'm also not sure Kristen knows about that one. So I don't know how public this podcast is, but yeah, you know. we'll, edit, we'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah we can just travel that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other one was around um, expectations versus reality for any part of the process. So obviously leading up, you know, there's all these expectations, whether it's with labor or whether it's just with, you know, fatherhood at home versus the reality when it hits. And so I'm curious if there was anything that kind of changed drastically um, from, you know, maybe whether you're reading or what people were telling you, what was in your mind versus then, you know, what happened? Yeah. I've got two, I think, really salient examples of that. One is the moment your child is born I think that there's this, uh, at least I had this belief, either from friends, family, Hollywood movies, like TV shows, whatever, um, that, you know, when your child is born, there's this like, nothing in the world matters. Like you're the only thing that ever matters and I will do anything for you and risk my life and jump in front of a bear and like, you know, all, all this stuff that that's that in my head was like birth and you feel that it was like, those two moments were, were, you know, uh, you know synonymous. Um, and it wasn't like that, right? Like this, this kid, Alina Simone Goldstein, uh, came out, came into the world and, you know, it was like, here you are. Like, you know, I don't really know you. You don't really know me. It's, it's, you know, uh, there's, there's certainly an implied, if not explicit agreement between, at least between myself, but between Chris and I, you know, we're going to do a lot, put in a lot of time, work, money to make sure you have the most amazing life that anyone could ever have. Um, but there was not this, this eruptive emotional connection, right? It, it started a little more uh, pragmatic maybe. And I don't know if this is everyone's experience, but it, it, was, it was certainly mine. And then what I, what I've noticed since is, the more she needs me and the more I take care of her, the more time we spend, it's this magical form of, of love that is, is growing at an insane rate. Right. It's like, it's, and it's a new kind of love. It's not like when you fall for a partner or have a fling or it's it's not that type of, it's just this, this, it starts deeper. um, But it, it grows and having this perspective on watching this, this love grow is, is pretty cool. And was not how I thought it was going to go. Right. I thought it was like binary on off, like, boom, you have a kid that that's it. Jump in front of a bear. Um, 
but uh yeah that was that was sounds like you're thinking a lot about jumping in front of bears you know <laughs> there's a lot of like catastrophe planning in my catastrophe planning in my head where i'm like okay yeah. like if this person lunges at us, if we're in this car wreck, if I'm on like in a car and she's driving, like a lot of like that. <laughs> that's that's see, that's the switch that was flipped. Yeah. That's the dad energy right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's for sure the one. Yeah. And then I'd say the second one was was um maybe this this implicit belief that you can't be frustrated with a newborn, but you know, when it's like three in the morning, you haven't slept and, and you did everything, you changed every diaper, you did it and it's like, and your kid's still crying. There's definitely early first couple of weeks, like frustration. And I was like, why won't you like not cry instead of cry and like sleep instead of not sleep? Um, and I talked to Krista about it. I said, Krista, you know, I'm, I feel bad because I feel frustrated with Alina. Uh, and she was amazing. She was like, you got to be empathetic. Um, you definitely can't be frustrated with her. I was like, I, I, I know that. That's why I'm kind of bringing it up. Um, but she was just like, you know, work with her to to figure out what's wrong and 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 make her feel better, which was really helpful advice. And then the curveball is this kind of um, self disappointment, right? With like, oh, like, okay, it's not your fault. So I'm clearly failing to make you feel comfortable or taken care of or whatever. So then there's just kind of like, you start laying it on yourself of like, great, well, like maybe I'm just doing a bad job. And like, how does, you know, how does that work? Um, and at some point you realize you're a baby and the world is scary and not filled with amniotic fluid inside of a warm tummy. So it's like, you're going through some changes and, and it all, it all shakes out, but there's definitely a 14 day spike of like, I'm frustrated with you. Wait, no, I'm frustrated with myself. Uh, I'm failing and, and you know, nothing, nothing's going right. <laughs> well said. Yeah. All right. Um, so the, the next section is kind of like a quick hit section um, that we stole from, you know, someone else's idea, like most great ideas yeah. <laughs> um, called overrated, underrated. So I'm going to say something and you can say whether you think it's overrated or underrated. Do I and qualify it at all or just, just overrated, underrated? If, if you want to qualify, you can. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, superheroes. Uh, underrated. Smiling. Underrated. Saying grace. Oh, also underrated. Over, over dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there was a streak going here. Yeah. Clothing. Clothing? Yeah. Oh, well, if anything's going to break the street, clothing is extremely overrated. <laughs> uh, predictable. Mag Very predictable. Yeah. Mad magic. Magic? Underrated. Morning workouts. Uh, also underrated. Everyone should be coming to morning workouts every time. Tuesdays, Thursdays, morning, 7.30 a.m. Pacific. That's all. That's the only plug I had. <laughs> Specifically in San Francisco. <laughs> Good point. Also in very specific locations. It's not just like turning also, around. Also, otherwise, any time in the morning, wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can also do it yourself. It's not. The morning workouts is also a trademark brand. So keep that in mind. <laughs> Evening workouts. Mm, overrated. If does it, Are those even rated? Does, is that not rated? <laughs> okay. Fair. Bucket feet. Mm, I could be. I'm gonna go with overrated. Do you, want, you know, they, you they want to describe describe what it is. Bucket feet is is a legendary type of shoe, well known cycling shoe, I'd say, that is 
most akin to vans, but with cooler designs that uh, Gil and I bike from when we did our naked bike ride from Seattle to San Francisco, we exclusively wore bucket feet, no clips, no nothing, just flat, flat shoes. And by the end of it, they were completely torn up and the soles were falling off of all of the shoes and they were basically dust. <laughs> but the brand was was banging just practically banging down your door to sponsor you oh guys. Oh my god, it was in the PR alone was was insane. We tweeted at them multiple times a day. <laughs> worth worth tens of dollars. Yeah, easily. <laughs> All right, uh San Francisco. Underrated. Greatest city on earth. Why? I think the the concentration of of caring and competent people, I think it's just, it's just it, that combined with the access to amazing outdoors activity and the kind of culture and communities that that creates, you can't find anywhere else. I love New York, huge fan, but I think something about the, something about the access to nature or something just kind of creates on average a different type of attracts a different type of person and is a different type of vibe out, out out in San Francisco. Putting sad music on while you're sad to further your sadness. <laughs> Putting sad music on while you're sad to further your sadness. I'm going to go with overrated, but I also want to know, is that rated as well? Is that, is that a thing? Do people do that? I think maybe secretly people rate it. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's a secret rating. I get it. <laughs> The slipperiness of banana peels. Oh, way overrated. You know, the three stooges really make you think that that banana peels would be like the number one killer of, of people in America. But I've tried. It's hard It's hard to slip. On, it's going to be very intentional to slip on a banana peel. You tried? I've tried. Oh, yeah. I remember in the kitchen in Memphis at our old house, I, I carefully laid it down. It doesn't work if you just throw it down. It literally has to be, you know, the sitting like, that we're on a podcast. I guess you can't really see my hands, but you know, it's got to be like inside facing down and you really have to hit it with your heel at the right angle to get, to get some slip on it. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we can make a promo video yeah. for this podcast and that can be it. That can be the teaser for mine is just Sam tries to slip on a banana peel. <laughs> uh, the capital one cafe baked goods. Ooh. Um, <laughs> well, I'd say the quality of those baked goods is overrated, but Having them and being able to give them to other people, that's an underrated experience because it's, it's you know, nothing can beat that. <laughs> um, finally, hugging. Mm. Extremely, extremely underrated. Everyone should be getting eight hugs of, you know, eight seconds, holding the hug, the embrace for eight seconds, you know, every day. All right. That's what we got for the overrated, underrated section. Zip, do you want to take back over yeah, we've got uh, one or two solid would you rather's to, to close us out, Sam, because we, we just got to know a, a few very important answers. Like, would you rather be twice as strong or twice as fast? Oof. Does the strength carry over into like any kind of strength, like from, you know, whatever, legs, upper body, just in, any, all, all things twice as strong? All strength, twice okay. as strong. In the speed, are we talking like running? Running speed, or is it like a, is it like a uh, like running reflex speed? Time? Okay, I think that's gonna be more helpful. I think I'd rather be 
think I'd rather be twice as strong because if I were twice as fast, I'd probably run a lot harder. And I think the wear and tear on my body as I get to be 60, 70, 80 would be more from running so dang fast. Whereas being stronger, I feel like it's maybe I wouldn't like hurt myself, hurt myself as much. Hey, you don't, you don't have to qualify it to us. It's, it's your, it's your life. Man. I'm just saying like, if someone meets a genie and get, has this opportunity, I just want to make sure they know my thought process so that they can themselves reason through this and make, make the right choice for their lives. Right. A lot of people are going to listen to this and say, you know what? I want to do what Sam's doing. Yeah. And they need, they need to, exactly. yeah. Okay. We're on the same page. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and then would you rather eat a burrito once a day for the rest of your life or never eat a burrito ever again? Uh, wow. Yeah. We saved the hard hitting questions for, for the end. Yeah. I thought that, you know, what's a life well lived question was tough, but like this one is, this burrito one is really you know what? I would I would go never eat a burrito again because you can get you can approximate a burrito with like a quesadilla or like a soft shell top. You can probably get kind of close to a burrito. You're in the neighborhood. You're in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny. that's a funny example because I was talking at morning workouts before this. I was talking with Ashley about fundamental stories that make you who you are, and one of the examples that I gave was like maybe everyone starts with the same raw ingredients and your circumstance and, and, you know, you're no, sorry, not the same. Everyone starts with their own unique set of raw ingredients. So you have kind of a trajectory, but your circumstance kind of shapes those into whatever you're going to be. And one of the examples I gave was like, you know, was, was like Mexican food, right? If you, get, you got your rice, beans, cheese, meat, you could go hard shell, soft shell, burrito, quesadilla, right? It's like, you kind of get, you know, the circumstances shape those ingredients and the completely the burrito of life. Yeah. The, the, burrito, the burrito of exactly. life. Exactly. <laughs> well, Sam, that, 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 that's all the time we have, but we're, we're so appreciative uh, that you came on, on the podcast and um, thanks for sharing uh, a, a bit more about yourself. This really is, appreciate it. This is great. Thank you guys. And I can find this what in, in Apple, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, where can I get this? Exactly. Wherever you get your podcast. That's the, those, that's the phrase. Okay. Perfect. That's what, what, that can be the tagline. Unzip wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, awesome, man. guys. Thanks, Sam. Thanks so much. Bye.